0: We want to be working with people that are using technology and capital resources to basically make the best quality product and also being sustainable. And the cool thing about that is those two usually go hand in hand. <laughs> like The best leather tends to be the people that take the environment most seriously. And what's really cool is we, we we always try not to oversell it because I think there's always, frankly, room for us to improve. But the way that we view it is that we should be doing everything that we can within a reason to improve our, our environmental footprint and to find the better more sustainable option and nine times out of ten it's always aligned with quality. Have you ever wondered how do you grow a
1: socially conscious and environmentally friendly e-commerce brand online while also making a profit? Yeah me too. After watching my family members suffer through cancer and heart disease using products by companies that care more about profits than their customers there must be a better way right? That's when I discovered an emerging wave of successful purpose-driven businesses, and I knew I needed to be a part of it. So join me as we dive into the stories behind the most inspiring brands in the world and discover the secrets on how they successfully win over the vote of their customers' wallets and grow their business online. My name is Vincent Tanyono, and welcome to the e-commerce speak podcast. Welcome back. I'm so happy today I have the privilege of having Connor Wilson. He is the co-founder and executive chairman of Thursday Boot Company. He started this business with his co-founder and CEO, Nolan Walsh, out of a New York City apartment back in 2014. And they had no prior experience and only with their personal savings, the two of them embarked on a journey to bring quality back to footwear by combining classic craftsmanship with modern technology. And today, Thursday is a leading American e-commerce brand offering men's and women's footwear and accessories that emphasize quality, comfort, and versatility. And I'm also very fascinated with how they approach uh, sustainability and how they're constantly innovating and improving. So glad to have you here, Connor. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Vincent. I'm excited to be here, and uh, thanks for the lovely intro. Awesome. I'm I'm always very curious. Can you walk me through a, a bit about how you got started? Like, do you... And Nolan, uh, knew that you always wanted to start a business when you were in school.
0: Yeah, uh, people ask us this. And, and, uh, you know, the honest answer is that we were not, uh, you know, building shoes from a very young age. I think like a a lot of men in the market and a lot of people in the market, we had been consumers. We had owned a lot of shoes, uh, but we didn't really appreciate or understand what was beneath our feet. And there was a point when we had both gone into grad school, we were at Columbia here in New York City, and we just kind of had the same problem, which was looking uh, at, at purchasing a good quality pair of boots. This is for, for us in this case. And we just couldn't find like the right pair. Everything was either some combination of either too expensive. It was uh, too too cheap, meaning it would fall apart really quickly and the quality was really low. Uh, it could be durable, but it wasn't comfortable or the style wasn't really right. And we kind of wanted something that was going to be that perfect everyday boot meaning that you could wear it um, from morning to to evening uh, at a work meeting or on a date in good weather and in bad weather. And that's really kind of where we got this idea of Thursday, that idea of like Thursday is the unofficial start of the weekend. And we wanted a boot that could kind of handle that. And so it had to be comfortable, it had to be durable, it had to be versatile. Uh, And then because of what was going on within direct consumer, we found that there's this really exciting opportunity to basically bring unrivaled value to the customer. And so having been grad students and like looked at what it cost to get a quality pair of shoes, we thought there was a huge opportunity to improve uh, the quality at the low end and to also improve the affordability. And um, you know, we, we, that was the big insight. It was as simple as that. Like we didn't have any experience building shoes, but we just saw that got really, really, really excited about the idea. And then suddenly like, that's all we could think about. And that's all we could do. And so the only option at that point was to figure it out. And that's kind of what we've been doing. We're on, we're on the eighth year in this journey and it just keeps getting more interesting. We just keep learning more, which is fun.
1: Yeah, that's, I think your story is like super amazing and very inspiring. And I know that you started with only like your savings and also like your business partner and probably some friends and family. Did you start off like with when designing the, your initial products? Was sustainability
0: already like in mind when you started off? Yeah, I think there's, when you're starting a new business, there's so many things that you need to balance. And, and the honest issue is like, you never have enough time. You never have enough money. You don't know enough. You don't know the right people. It's always just this balancing act. And you're never trying to, And at no point are you ever trying to, to make a sacrifice there. You're just trying to do everything that you possibly can. And it's kind of like, it's a race against the clock and your own strength and endurance. And you know, at some point you have to sleep a little bit, but then you got to get up the next day. So you're always trying to get as much as you can. And in that same kind of context, like sustainability wasn't the explicit focus of the brand, but it was something that we thought was really important for us. So one of the ways that we approached sustainability in the first place was the type of shoes that we were building. Uh, we had actually launched with Alder Shoes or Goodyear Welt Construction. And the reason why Goodyear Welt construction is so interesting and why we really kind of fell in love with it is basically there's an additional welt of leather that circumscribes the outside of the shoe. And what it means is that, uh, one, those shoes are actually going to be virtually waterproof. This is kind of a gold standard uh, from the 19th century onwards, where you you don't get water in your shoes. Your feet stay dry, which is really important from a functional standpoint. But the second element that is really cool is that because uh, your outsole will eventually wear down, because you, you walk and you run and it needs to be replaced, you can actually just cut the outsole off and you can restitch a new outsole onto that same pair of boots, which means that you get more longevity, you get more durability. And that for us was like the ultimate hack. You get a, a, instead of having a pair of boots that you wear until you have to like throw them in the trash which is literally what most people were doing and still is the bulk of how boots and shoes are made in the world. There was this small subsegment of these really high quality producers that were doing Goodyear Welt wealth construction. And so for us, we are like, this is a way to not just give a better value to customers in terms of better bang for buck but also like better longevity too. So if you think about the cost per wear, it ends up being something that is better for the planet, and it's also more economical. The other thing that was really, really important, uh, and this is sort of like just a fluke of who we are as humans, uh, and not many people know this, but Nolan, my co-founder, is actually a vegetarian. And so when it first came to this point of like, we should build better boots, uh, we went back and forth a lot on what can we do here about leather? Uh, Because Nolan doesn't eat beef, (laughs) and I do. (laughs) That's a personal choice. But but it was really interesting. We did a lot of research to get comfortable with the idea. And we realized that uh, the, the actual skin or the hide of an animal is actually considered a waste product. And so the alternative, if you are not converting it into leather, is that it is either going to be thrown out. Most of the time, it's very difficult or costly to preserve. So it's literally just a waste product, which is really unfortunate. Uh, or it can end up in low quality products like book bindings or gelatin or other things. So if you can take that same that same material that was going to be trash and you can instead preserve it and convert it into a beautiful piece of leather that is going to last for years and going to patina and take on character and become part of someone's like favorite part of their wardrobe, that's a much better way to do it. And so it was one of those things where those are two like little but very important parts that kind of got us started on the sustainability journey. And I look at that as kind of the, the launch pad for how we've thought of the company ever since.
1: I know that you're also doing this called the Single Herd Program. Can, can you talk to me a little bit about that? Because I think that's the first time I actually heard it. And I think it's you're also mentioning that this is like the industry industry first. So can you talk to me about
0: what is a Single Herd Program and what's important about it? Yeah, yeah. So the Single Herd Program is something that that we launched a few years ago. Um, you know, This really kind of stemmed from, I, I guess I'd backtrack a little bit before I talk about that, just to tell you a little bit about how we, go about sourcing because this is what led us to the single herd program. When it came time to actually go and build out our supply chain and really start building high quality boots, we were first focused on quality. That was our number one thing because we knew that we were so new to the industry that if we screwed it up on the quality side, we were never going to get a second chance. And every every year, every month that we're doing this, our customers give us the permission to continue building this business and continue making high quality footwear. So if we screw up, we don't get it to play again. And that was what really motivated us. So when we were looking for who we wanted to work with, we basically just said, we only want to work with the best. And the reason for that is you might spend more. It's more expensive. Your margins are lower. It makes it more difficult to scale and grow the business initially. But the advantage is, you know that you're going to get a really good quality in terms of what you're actually getting as the end product. And then in addition to that, you're also in a spot where these same folks tend to be doing a better job environmentally. So as an example, like we use tanneries that are either ranked by the leather working group um, or folks that have like really, really clean emissions processes. So long story short, leather done right uh, can be can be very efficient in terms of water usage and in terms of the chemicals that are used, whether it's chromium or veg tannage. But you got to make sure that you have someone you can trust. Because if not, then those same tanneries uh, that are are lesser quality or inferior, they can create a lot of pollution. And there's a lot of sad stories over history of entire towns having their water supply polluted, as an example. So we just said, we don't wanna be part of that. We wanna be working with people that are using technology and capital resources to basically make the best quality product and also being sustainable. And the cool thing about that is those two usually go hand in hand. (laughs) Like the best leather tends to be the people that take the environment most seriously. And what's really cool is we 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 always try not to oversell it because I think there's always, frankly, room for us to improve. But the way that we view it is that we should be doing everything that we can within a reason to improve our, our environmental f- footprint and to find the better, more sustainable option. And nine times out of ten, it's always aligned with quality. So that's kind of where it started. And it was that original kind of learning that led us to the Single Herd Program.
1: In your earlier conversation, you were also telling me about how you – Uh, actually go down
0: with the cows. And uh, talk to me a little bit about that. So, so, so yeah. So what ended up happening was we've been doing this for a few years and I was talking to uh, John Colton's, one of our, our partners and has become a dear friend and mentor who works at Horween. Horween is, is long story short, it's, it's probably the best American tannery. They're based in Chicago and the water that they, they take from Chicago uh, to, to do their tanning is not as clean as the water that they actually process themselves. That's how good their environmental controls are. And it's one of the reasons we love working with them and they have great product. Uh, and I had talked to John about this for a while. And I said, John, I, you know, I love the product you guys make and I love the, the boots we'll be able to make with it, but it's hard for me to to really understand, You know, how do we get better hides? How do we make sure that we're able to use more of the hides so we're not wasting as much? How are we in a position where we know more about the sourcing and the sustainability can I get you know cows that are basically being treated more humanely? And the the way the market works today is it's it's very unclear. There's just not a lot. There's a lot of consolidation with large feedlots and large uh, packers, which are basically uh, slaughterhouses. And John was actually really excited by the same idea. And so we basically started for about two or three years, like just poking around trying to find uh, like farms, family farms, and more local uh, packers that would be able to help us with this. And the idea was if we could take something from literally the cow from the farm where it's at to where it basically gets converted into meat for steaks, we can take that hide and preserve it and build it into something where we have full traceability and full visibility and where it came from. We thought that was A, a really cool thing to do, and B, would be really interesting just to to talk about. Uh, No one had ever done this before. And that's what ended up becoming our single herd program. And so uh, it involved a lot of dead ends. Um, I can remember going down to Illinois and like visiting feedlots and you know, seeing where, where things actually happened. <laughs> and, uh, and in the end, uh, we were able to find a really cool farm down in Georgia. Not only were they raising cows in a really wonderful way, not only were they able to provide these really high quality hides, but what was really cool is that they actually uh, were doing so in a way where there's actually carbon sequestration within the farm meaning that for every pound of beef that they end up raising, they're putting, I think, up to eight pounds of carbon back into the soil because of their farm management practices. Um, and we love that. So we were able to basically work with really good providers to create a unique one-of-a-kind boot, which was our single-herd vanguard.
1: So from a customer standpoint, like what trends do you see? And I know many people, they definitely focus on quality, but do you see like an increasing trend of customers that prefer to shop with sustainable brands?
0: I think for our generation, at least, uh, and I'm, I'm a millennial, and I think a lot of what we're thinking about is just we, we want to feel good about the stuff that we're consuming. We're not just here to buy things, just to buy things. And the way I've always approached it and the way that my team tries to approach it is we want to be humble. I don't want to overstate what we are doing on the sustainability side of things. I'm very proud of what we're doing. And it comes down to the basic things of creating products that last a long time, products that are, are recraftable, leather that is going to withstand a ton of abuse. Those are all things that frankly, like make the world a little bit better. Um, but I don't want to overstate that element. So I think for us is that balance between, I would always want to continue doing better and always leaning into improvements and finding ways to get better every single time. But I also got to be careful that we don't overstate it because I think where a lot of brands run into trouble is they, their customers think that they're doing one thing. And in fact, they're doing another, I'd rather kind of under, under sell and over deliver because that's what I want as a customer as well too. Um, so that's the way we try to approach it with our brand is that we assume that everyone who is purchasing our products, whether you only care about sustainability or whether it's something you don't think about very much, we have something that we can still deliver in terms of value. And, and I think one thing that's kind of nice is when we undertake programs, the single herd program is one example. That was actually a very, you know very painful process to set up Um, and it's not a huge volume in the grand scheme of things. Like we didn't change the world with that, but within, I think one or two weeks of launching it, that same farm got a call from one of the largest boot producers in the world, Timberland saying, Hey, we want to buy all your, all your hides." And so the way that I view that is if we can be a leader and we can create these big brands and get them to start changing their ways, everyone wins. And in the end, I think that's like a better way to exercise your influence versus, just talking about how green you are all the time.
1: Mm, that's a great point, yeah. So uh, over the past eight years, you and Nolan have gone quite a long way. So where do you
0: see Thursday, let say in the next one or two years time? Um, I'd like to think, so one thing that's nice about this is it's, it's not just Nolan and me. It's it's literally an entire team of people. So we've been very, very fortunate to have, have recruited a, a large diverse team with different skill sets and passions and interests. And I've always been kind of amazed at how like, how nicely that's come together. We feel very fortunate for like the partners internal to Thursday as well as external. And it goes into that point of our, our sustainable bona fides are only as good as the people that we work with. And it's a, it's a, it's a a long supply chain of folks that are frankly working really hard to do the best they can. So those are the things I always try to remind myself. It started with Nolan me, but it really is a much bigger um, group of people directly and indirectly. Uh, When it comes to like what we want to do, it's, it's as, it's as ambitious and as simple as, trying to build the best quality products that we possibly can. So uh, we don't need to reinvent the wheel for the simple fact that you know, boot technology has been uh, it has been around for a long time. There's a ton of small improvements that can be made. We get really excited about the opportunity to use different materials to find better ways to do it. And, and I think part of that is an opportunity that's given to us by the the fact that so many of the large wholesale legacy players are slow to move. And we have the nimbleness and speed of a startup. So I get excited about that. Um, But a lot of it just comes down to really perfecting what we're currently doing. And I think every day it's an opportunity to get 3% or 5% closer to your ideal. And if I can just make that progress like day by day by day and put in the hours and put in the work and make sure that we have our our values and our North Stars aligned with where we want to go, I think we're going to get there. Um, So for us, it's it's really just kind of getting that that perfect boot, jacket, sneaker, whatever it's going to be. And and just executing on it, which is the hard part.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm curious about that three percent improvements that you're that you mentioned. How do you actually do that in your company?
0: Um, it, it literally ranges from from the, the the craziest little things. Part of it is just being really focused on the details. So we always start with product first because we think that product is frankly the most important thing for our customers. If we take care of our customers, it will take care of our business. Um, examples of this can range from. And we've done a few things over the years that are like, they won't seem like that big of a deal. Um, we recently replaced, we did some stainless steel nails in the bottom of the heel to keep it securely fixed, which is fairly standard without the industry. Well, we realized that if we use brass nails, we can actually, uh, we can make sure that they are, those, those resist rust. So it actually just looks a little bit better. Um, it's a little bit more expensive. It doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things for us, but it matters a lot to the customer. For the people that want to make sure that like everything looks good um we've had times where for instance like we've we've done with our eyelets adding additional fixtures to ensure that they stay in place so that they are just like really secure and you can have them for a long time um but what i am most excited about is looking at things like and again i'll use this because it's the easy example here the single herd program in the grand scheme and all the number of, of boots that are made around the world doesn't have a huge impact today but if I can get it started, if I can prove the, fe- the feasibility of it, if I can find customers that care about that, and then I can use that to expand upon it and grow it, and then my, my competitors look at that and they say, ooh, that's looking really good. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to copy them. That ends up being a really cool spot because that's how you change the world. Um, not, not change the world in a big way, but in a little way. And I think if we're looking at the little ways that we can improve, it's hard to say, how do you change the world tomorrow? But if you say, how do I change the world 3%, everyone has an answer to that every day that you wake up. I can always do something 3% better. I'm going to take a bag with me, or I'm going to recycle this thing instead of just throwing it in the trash. It is a small gesture, but it can go a long way. And that stuff usually compounds over time. So that's how we're trying to get to, uh, or another way to put it is that a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step, same vibe yeah excellent
1: that's like really excellent advice and i also really like what you mentioned about like the bigger companies they're also following because of what you are doing and it kind of reminds me like um that customers they actually like vote with their wallets like what are the preferences that they want like because they are uh, buying this product i think like that the bigger brands are also starting to follow because that's where they see Uh, where the money is right so i think that's that's amazing what you're doing um with the constant
0: innovation and with sustainability it's crazy it's crazy and 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 the thing is that it's so funny because like we're so used to being the underdog and we are in the grand scheme of things where it's like we're so used to being the underdog and you realize that that the big guys are looking at you they think you're cool and they, they're trying to find a way and, you know, because our business model is a better business model, they're just trying to find any way to compete. And so they just try to kind of copy what we do. And suddenly you realize it's kind of a fun, a fun place to be, which is really nice. Uh, it's not a place I thought we'd be, uh, but it ends up being a, a position of influence. And so, you know, we take it really seriously. We're very, very, very hard on ourselves. I want to be really clear about that. We're very humble in terms of saying like, look, we're not where we want to be yet, But I really like that idea of setting really crazy, audacious goals for yourself. And then just like every day chip away at it. And even if you don't succeed, even if you're not really gonna get there, you'll be so much further than if you set modest goals. I'd rather be ambitious in my goals and modest in my outlook. And I think that's like kind of the the key to success. Mm,
1: Okay, (laughs) actually that brings me to my next question. Uh, I was gonna ask you like, what was the best advice
0: that you've ever received? I got a really good piece of advice from, from one of our early mentors and his comment was you need to prepare for success. And what he meant by that was we had spent so much time preparing for failure because there were a hundred thousand reasons why we were going to fail. We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't have the capital. We didn't have a brand name. We were up against well-capitalized large competitors who would want to see us fail. All of that was true, but he was the first person that we talked to in our journey who basically said, you guys might be more successful than you realize. And if you do end up doing so, you need to have a plan. And I thought it was great advice then. And it's great advice now um, for the simple fact that if things work, they tend to work really well. And you know, I think we had thought that when we started on this journey, that we'd be in a position to influence or persuade the way that, that large, mega multinational corporations source their leather. <laughs> Like, uh, I would, I would have probably bet against that, you know, I would say like, I'll take the, the under on that and, and it's changed. So when I talk to, to founders or entrepreneurs, or even just people that are early in their careers and they ask, like, what, what can you give? It's always got to be specialized, but I think the generic advice is plan for success. You'd be shocked at like how much of this is within your control. And that's the right attitude to have regardless. Hmm.
1: But can you expand on that a little bit? I think that's very uh, interesting. like what how do you actually
0: do that? How do you plan for success? Um you need to have in your mind's eye, you have to know what success looks like. You, you're I think so much especially early on, you know everyone's afraid what we can get we can be anxious and we are sometimes are fear driven. we don't even intend to be, but we're worried about what's going to go wrong. Uh, it's the classic example of if if you there's a there's a, a someone pretty at the bar and you want to go talk to her you, instead of assuming that she's going to say no, what if she says yes? What if she, what if you say hi and you introduce yourself and she wants to talk to you? Well, what are you going to say next? (laughs) You have to be ready. If you're going and you're raising funds and you're expecting the investor to say no, but then they say yes, what do you do about that? Or if you want to sign a partnership and then someone says, great, I want to double the size of the volume of that. You have to be ready for those kinds of things. Our classic example is, we launched our business on Kickstarter. We had no money to begin with. Uh, We didn't even know if anyone was going to like the idea or the products that we had designed. And when we launched it, we had said, we hope we can sell $30,000 worth of boots. And that was a big stretch goal for us. We thought that was going to be awesome. If we could hit it, we were hoping we could do so over a 30 day period. And when we launched, we ended up selling 72,000 in the first 24 hours. And then we did 276,000 in the first 30 days. So we basically 10x what we thought we were going to do. And thankfully, we had an inkling that we might do a little bit better. And we had pre-ordered some additional materials. So we were able to still deliver all those on time. But it's a concrete example of don't spend so much time thinking about failure that you also neglect to think about success. Because I think it's, it's actually success is more common than you maybe give yourself credit for. Mm, yeah, that's excellent advice.
1: And I think that's a good place to wrap this up. So for our listeners who maybe they're interested to check out Thursday and what your developments uh, are there
0: um, and, or maybe they want to follow you, Connor, how do they do that? Yeah, I think the best way to follow what we're doing, our website is thursdayboots.com. You can follow us on Instagram. Our, our, Our men's handle is Thursday Boots. Our women's handle is at Thursdays. And uh, you know, we, again, we, we try to be pretty humble about what we're what we're doing on the sustainability side, but we definitely have our own approach to it. And my hope is that over time, you'll see us, you know, releasing a lot of new products that that tackle this in different ways. Uh, and I think there's a frankly a lot of room for us to improve and grow. And we're really excited about tackling that. So I'll say, Vincent, thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about our story and uh, and congrats on the podcast, man.
1: Yeah, thanks, thanks, Connor. Any any final thoughts or anything you'd like to share that? Um, that maybe I did ask.
0: Um, I will just add that that I think one of the things that makes me happiest about about what we're doing is is we're building you know, really high quality leather shoes that that last a long time. And uh, it, when we first started, you didn't really have this, but now I, it makes me really really happy when customers will come back to us with photos of their their boots that they bought you know five or six or seven years ago. And sometimes they're in great shape. Sometimes they're beat to hell. Uh, but I, I really love it. And it's one of those subtle reminders that, um, of why you do all the things that you do and, and why all the hard work is worth it. So uh, I'll just give a, a little shout out to our, our customers who've been awesome to us and continue to really inspire and support us and, and keep us motivated. So thanks to you guys.
1: Yeah, awesome. So thanks so much, Connor. Um, make sure you guys go ahead and check out uh, Thursday or maybe even buy a pair of boots for yourself. Sounds good. Did you enjoy today's conversation? If you did, help us grow by going to iTunes, hit follow and leave a 5-star review with your biggest takeaway.